Good morning. How is everybody today? What y'all been up to? How was that? I saw some. Yeah. No rain. That's good. It's good. A couple of sunny days this weekend. It was pretty amazing. So hey, I'm gonna reread this uh, this verse for the for the recording real quick. Uh, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his son rise on evil, rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more, uh, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, last week, uh, we talked about anger. And with anger, and depending on how you act in anger, can also give you the opportunity to make enemies, right? Sure can. Who here has created an enemy out of anger? Okay, for the record, everybody raised their hand, almost. Almost. So, so and then what happens? When you, when you make that enemy, do you actually feel like praying for them? Or do you just feel like giving them some more of the one for, like the, the, some more of that blah, blah, blah? So how, if you're the one who sinned in your anger and forged an enemy, how do you forgive your enemy? You apologize. You go to them and you apologize. Sorry? Okay. How else? How else? How else can you apologize or say, you know, when you're the one that sinned in the anger and created the enemy, how do you make it right with the enemy? Well, you have to forgive them for whatever made you angry and you felt wrong by. Sure. Do you ever, has it, when you are in that place of sin and shame and so on, oh, shame. So if I'm feeling shameful about my actions, who do I need to forgive? Yourself. Ooh, self. Who is the hardest person in the world to forgive? Yourself. Yourself, yeah. So I think that's key. You know, when when you are moving into that place, the person you, you know, it's kind of like what we looked at with anger last week and me. Kind of got to look here first, right? So I'm the key violator, or we are the key violator in this proposed scenario. Where does the forgiveness work start? It starts with us, right? And how easy how easy is that? It's not. It's not. It's not so easy, no. Okay, so say, say we forgive ourselves. 
And then we're able to then forgive them. And then we go and apologize. What's next? Live happily ever after. <laughs> Listening to Tiny Tim tiptoeing through the tulips, right? No, but what, seriously, what's next? I mean, is it just a simple apology? It doesn't have. It doesn't have to stop there, does it? Action to speak love. Discussion. Okay. What if you? What if you go from here uh, to here and to here and actively? actively pursue friendship with the individual. You're right, it's not. It's not easy, right? So, what if all of this happens and you, God puts the person back in your life and you're going, what are you thinking, God? But then God keeps putting the person back in your life. What do you do? Reconcile. Because right? if you're not willing to actively pursue friendship, there's probably something still going on, right? And so how do you reconcile that? Okay, so then you got to come back here. Woo! And go back and do some forgiveness work with yourself. And then come back here to pursue reconcile friendship. So I have an illustration today of how that works. You ready for it? Okay. So this guy right here used to arrest me. So we're gonna, and Danielle. So I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna invite him up. I, I'm gonna grab a couple of chairs and we're gonna share with you a little bit of our journey with each other and uh, how we really didn't like each other. <laughs> Tom did not like anybody, so yeah. So come on, come have a seat, Tom. But before we st- before we start, I want to I want to read you guys this verse. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? So that's Romans 5.10. And it just kind of points to the fact that... Morning, brother. Morning. It just kind of points to the fact that if we can be reconciled for our sins through Jesus, how much better can we be reconciled with relationships through Jesus? So, Tom, how did we meet? Uh, let's see, you were laying on the ground in a parking lot in Safeway with an off-duty deputy on your back after you were charging the Safeway manager who stopped you from stealing a sandwich, I think it was. Yeah. And what, what led, uh, and what happened then? Uh, let's see, I put handcuffs on you. Uh, Hold arrested on. you. Hold on, I want to back you up a second. You guys ever watch WWE? Yeah. All I heard was, hi, Tom, hi, so-and-so. And then there's another guy on my back. <laughs> and that would be this guy yeah. with his knee in my neck. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, that was first time I'd ever met Kevin. It was nothing, I don't think, any more outstanding than any other person that I'd ever arrested, other than after putting the handcuffs on you, and I think your shoulder was hurt or something like that, and you had every excuse in the world for what was going on. Um, and then I think, I, I don't know if that's when I learned you were with Danielle, because I knew Danielle long before you. Yeah. Yeah. Danielle's actually the one that stopped me from hitting the store manager that day, because I was running up. He's got a picture of me literally running up. I'll show it to you after the service if you want, um, of me running up to hit the store manager, and I heard Danielle yell, Kevin, stop! And for some reason, I stopped, and I just knocked the food out of his hand. And as I'm trying to walk away, here comes an off-duty sheriff's deputy going, now that's it! And he runs up and he tackles me. And then, it, then WWE ensued, and yep. he tried to put the, the, my hand up inside the back of my head. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so what happened next? We went, we went down to uh, what you called the office. Holding facility? Yeah, holding facility. Yeah. My office. <laughs> um, where uh, I was charged and asked about other crimes where my name had been uh, uh, provided. And then I was charged again with some other stuff. Um, and I think Tom was pretty frustrated that the jail wouldn't accept me that day. Yeah. He was doing everything he could to make sure I went to jail that day. And that's okay. I was sinning. I was stealing. So then he ended up having to kick me loose. And then when did we meet again? Parking lot of the Elks at night in the dark with Danielle. I can't remember if that was a theft from the, from the uh, farm place over there. It was an alleged theft. Alleged theft, of course. Because there was no theft. The charges were dropped. But who'd you arrest that night? Like both of you. No. Just her. Just Danielle? Just my wife. Uh, that's right. You had a dog in your coat. Yeah. You didn't have any doggy cuffs at that time. Yeah. <laughs> For the record, it wasn't the first time we had been arrested with our animals. Um, we had one uh, incarcerated in the back of a Bellingham Patrol op- cop car one time uh, as I was handcuffed and taken to the jail. So this leads to a pretty dysfunctional relationship between Tom and I, doesn't it? Because he's viewing me as just somebody that needs to be arrested because of the crimes I'm committing. And I'm viewing him as just some dickhead cop. <laughs> so is, is there any chance for friendship there? Evidently. Evidently, right? We're sitting here today. But not at that moment, right? So then I don't see Tom again for a really long time. Um, I get clean. And I come to uh, come to the end of all of my legal stuff. And one of the last things I'm doing in Mount Vernon, I'm allowed to do out of custody work crew for. And so I go and I started. I'm doing like two or three days a week because I'm working three jobs at the time, trying to provide for the three of us because it was just Asher at the time. Um, and as I'm doing this work crew... I hear the guy who's running it is going to retire, which is cool. I didn't really care for the guy. But then I heard this guy is taking his job. <laughs> to which my response was bleep, bleep, bleep. It was like, it was like the roadrunner. <laughs> but it was all swear words, right? And then I tried to transfer because I did not want to deal with Tom. 
because we didn't like each other. You know, I think uh, after the parking lot incident and I was released, I even went to the uh, hospital and tried to file brutality charges against you. They didn't hold up, but I tried. That's how mad I was. Um, and so I'm unable to transfer out of Cedar Woolley. What did you hear about me before then? Oh, he told me that uh, you were not at all happy. You weren't going to do it. And, and I'm like, that's fine. The alternative is you go to jail. I don't care. And uh, <clears throat> I'd heard that he tried to transfer out. And I said, and, and I think Ken was the guy's name. Said Ken says, yeah, he's retired. Give him a shot. Mm. Thanks. what he told me. Yeah, it was good to see Bill go. Um, I was not looking forward to you. <laughs> Um, and I remember going to a church service at Tierra Nueva, and Mike did a sermon on forgiving your enemies. And at that moment, this guy, Tom, was enemy number one for Kevin Riley. The guy that I did not want to be around, the guy that I didn't want anything to do with, the guy that I wanted no part of my life, because this guy, all he ever wanted to do was throw me in jail and put me in handcuffs. So do I want to put him in another position of authority over me? Especially when I had all this anger and frustration towards him. And I said that to Mike Neely and it says, and he goes, well, it sounds like you need to forgive him. No, no, I don't. No, I don't. And how dare you for saying that? Who are you to say that? It's kind of my response. So I was unable to transfer. And at the time we were living up by the high school in Mount Vernon. Um, so I walked all the way from there downtown Mount Vernon to the, to, the, to the parks program office. And I remember getting about halfway down the cul-de-sac, because um, it's right there off of, uh, what is it, 530? Uh, West Division, yeah. Yeah, West Division. And I get about halfway through the cul-de-sac, and I'm like, all right, God, let's see if you can put your money where your mouth is. I forgive Tom. I forgive him for the wrongs he did to me. I forgive him for uh, arresting Danielle because that was charge number two for me. It's one thing to arrest me, but now he had also arrested my wife or my girlfriend, right? So I took that personally. Just like somebody who attacks your spouse, you take it personally. I took that personally. And so here I am having to step into this place of forgiveness, somebody that I, in my mind, had it not only abused me, but abused my spouse, and I had to step into a place of forgiveness. That was not easy. But I did it. And I walked up and I knocked on the door and he opened up the door. Did you even recognize me? <laughs> He's like, who are you? And I was like, I'm Kevin Riley. He's like, Mr. Riley. How do you do it? Do it and say it. Like, Mr. Riley. Yeah, there we go. Um, Mr. Riley. Uh, and he invites me in and I'm just pissed off. I don't want to be there. I don't even want to deal with him. But then this is where the reconciling, reconciliation starts to happen. So like I did the first part, I showed up and I, and I forgave him. And I did it in just the presence of God. It wasn't a show for everybody like, oh, hey, look at how good I am. I'm doing forgiveness from the front. No, this was real, genuine forgiveness of an enemy. Right? And I walk in and he says, Mr. Riley, and he pours me, he poured me a cup of coffee. And we sat down, we started talking. And that's when I told him, you know, hey, I'm clean. I got this long. Danielle and I just had a baby. 
We're living on a hill in Mount Vernon. This is the last of my legal stuff because I'm turning over a new leaf. What was your impression then? Believe it when I see it. Yeah. I was, I was pleasantly pleased and surprised. Um, you know, spending 30 years in law enforcement and going to a program where you are now working on the other side of the court, mm -hmm. where everybody there has been convicted. They've got nothing left to do but their time. And so there's no, uh, and, and Kevin was, this is my first day. This is my very first, my very first customer or person, crew member, actually, is when mm -hmm. I started calling everybody. Yeah. So this was like, okay, we'll see how this goes. I mean, Kevin was well known to everybody in my prior job. So I'll believe it when I see it. I was happy to hear it. Excited that it hopefully would stay true. Proof will be in the pudding. And what happened from there? You taught me how to do my job. Um, Don't I, ever forget that. <laughs> no. <laughs> in all seriousness, I had no, I had one day of training with the guy I replaced. I did not at all agree with his method of running the program. He treated people as if they were garbage. Yeah. Still criminals. I actually reworded most of our documents to talk about this is a work crew. This is a performance based program. It's not corrections based. Um, I worked with everybody to try to make the program as flexible as it could be to work around their schedules and their commitments so they could continue to be good, productive members of society and provide for their families. And I had no training in this job. I didn't know how to do this job. And I relied on Kevin. Okay, Kevin, what do we do this morning? Okay, well, we got to go here and we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. Now, there's a couple other people in the program mm -hmm. that were also veterans of the program. And so Kevin and I, we, uh, we actually had some really good conversations. Yeah. And I, re I remember you asking me why I couldn't be cool like this when I was a cop. And I think my reply is, why did you have to be a criminal? <laughs> yeah. um, but Kevin became a very important part of my program to where I would assign him as a crew leader and give him some bodies. He'd say, hey, we need to go work on this trail or fix this thing or whatever. I said, why don't I give you a couple bodies? You run the crew. Call me when you're ready and I'll come get you. And so he became like my number one guy in my, in my crew real quick. See, up until that point, there was no trust factor with uh, the crew leads of the, of the, the program. It was very much yell and oppressive. And then this was like new ground for everybody. It's like, oh, wait, hey, I'm just going to give you a couple of guys and I want you to go clean this whole area of the park and let me know when you're done. This whole new, this whole new level of trust is pretty cool. Yeah. What happened then? You changed me. Um, I went from an environment where I don't see anything but the bad side of people. I remember, was it the first day you went back? It was first or second day that after crew was done, I was in my office finishing up some work and you came back. And you brought Danielle and you brought mm -hmm. Asher. Yep. And you introduced, and I hadn't seen Danielle in forever. Yep. Never, I'd never seen Asher. Yeah. Um, and so you changed the way I saw people. Because the only time I've ever seen, especially 
especially people dealing with uh, substance abuse issues. I only saw them because they relapsed. The ones that actually, as, a, as an officer, the ones that got into treatment, got clean and went on with their lives, I never saw them again. So as far as I know, all addicts relapse because that's the only ones I ever saw. And to see somebody uh, like Kevin, who I, w I was completely blown away over the transformation he had made in his life. And, and even in the, we would go, we'd had to go clean up some, some transient camps. And, and I remembered thinking, oh gosh, I remember when, when Kevin wasn't, was uh, without a house or without a home, was homeless. I wonder how this is going to work. And I think he asked me, he said, do you mind if I talk to him? I said, by all means, if you can get through the, these folks and help them out and get them going, let's go. And uh, no, I, it, he completely altered my world from being, I came full circle. I dealt with Kevin when he was struggling and doing bad things and living the bad things. And then I come full circle and even to today where this is not the same guy. This is a completely different guy. And you could never, I'd have bet a year's salary that it would never happen. Can I have that? No. <laughs> no. I don't make that kind of money anymore. I retired. Worth a shot. Yeah, sure. We talking about city council? Yeah, go ahead. So I was so impressed with Kevin. Um, at the time, I didn't have a director. I reported directly to the mayor. I was a mid-level management. And so every month we had to go give presentations to city council. And I remember... No, this is, I retired from the police department. I, I retired in 2015 on a Friday night, and Monday morning I was middle management with the Parks Department running the city work program. Okay, yeah, so the Mount Vernon Parks Department runs their version of jail alternative. The guy that had it, he mentioned, tried to make it like jail, and I did the other way around, and actually we went from a 40% failure rate to a 7% failure rate. 93% of the people made it through instead of only 60. At any rate, so I had to go to council and I had to do my presentation. So I'm talking about the, all the changes I've made in the program. We're adding a weekend supervisor, so we're open seven days a week. We let people work half days. We let them work around their schedules. Uh, we had a lot of drug court people coming through. So every Wednesday when I had drug court people, first thing I'm doing is stopping at Phoenix so everybody can get their UAs done. Mm -hmm. And so I'm working with everybody. I want everybody to succeed. So I'm going through this. And well, I had found this picture I had of Kevin. And you need to see this picture when we're done here. Sure. It, it is a great picture. And it was taken by the Safeway manager just before Kevin got to him. And uh, so I'm doing my presentation. I'm talking about the people. And I said, you know, when I started, I got this guy. And I put his picture up on the, on the PowerPoint presentation. And here's Kevin. And he is 12 levels of PO'd. And he is charging fist clenched, ready to go to war. I said, this guy don't like me. I don't really like him either. And he's in my crew. And so I talked about our first couple days working together. And, you know, and, and basically for me, it was a no brainer for me uh, having Kevin. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to forgive. I didn't have to be his friend. I didn't have to be nice. 
Because at the end of the day, if he didn't want to be there, he could leave. And if he leaves, he's just going to spend his time in jail. I didn't care. <laughs> but I gave him, I let Kevin make the first move. And I followed his lead. And he was gracious to me and he was kind. And in response, I was gracious and kind. So I'm showing the city council this picture of this guy and everybody's jaws are dropping. The audience is pretty full. And I said, and you know what? This is one hell of a guy. He is one of my leaders in my crew. And in fact, I want you to meet him. He's sitting right here in the back of the city council meeting. And Kevin and Danielle and Asher stood up. And you're looking at people looking up at the screen and looking at Kevin and looking at the screen and going, it can't be the same guy. He gained, he gained a little weight. <laughs> Didn't we all? Yeah. And so ever since then, Kevin, I think, worked with me for another month or so. And I remember on our last day, he came in and he hands me his phone number. He says, if you ever have anybody that's struggling, anybody that needs to talk, you know my past. And he gave me that phone number and I, that was stuck in, inside of my desk drawer. And I was always there. It was nice to know that I could always call. And then from then on, he just would call me up randomly. And, and I remember Kevin called me one time and says, hey, I'm applying for a job. Could I use you as a job reference? And I'm like, Kevin, do they know why you work for me? <laughs> well, yeah. I said, okay. I absolutely loved it. And I wrote him up just a glowing recommendation. And, you know, they called me and I said, yeah, you know, Kevin is a guy I would have paid money to hire. I mean, he, he's that kind of a, a worker. He's that dedicated. He was that... Uh, and I enjoyed just being around. So that was that was kind of where that started. Mm -hmm. Tom, what was the city council meeting about? Just weekly meeting. Okay. So we in the we meeting. Uh, trying to, we weren't trying to get additional funding for your program or something like that. No, that's that's done one time a month or one time a year in August, and that's where I would take all of my stats and show you know how much we did. We we got little increases depending on what we did for. Uh, stuff, but it wasn't any big. This was just a, a status update. Every department in the city does a status update once a month, so that was parks department time. So another crazy thing about this whole scenario is, that as I'm working with Tom, I we were out on off a of Colson Trail somewhere, and we were cleaning out a homeless camp, and he comes up to me and goes, "You know what you're doing is a uh, serving a jail sentence." I'm like, "Yeah, Tom, I know." He goes. Well, because it's a sentence, I have the ability to grant good time. How'd you like to be done tomorrow? I still had a lot of time hanging over my head, and I went, I would love that. So, that whole flip, because I stepped in to that place of forgiveness with God. Nobody else, not for show, true forgiveness with God. Doing that opened the door to this friendship. Tommy has come over to my house uh, when we were living in Mount Vernon because somebody on his crew had asked him for some help. And he wasn't sure if it was a legitimate ask or not, but he valued our opinion enough to, to come over and talk to us about it. And then I was able to put him in touch with uh, this individual's uh the program that that guy was in, I was able to put him in with the people who were running that program. So we figure out if it was a legitimate ask or not. Um, I love my friendship with this guy. It's unlike a friendship that I ever thought would be possible. 
It is because of forgiving your enemies and true reconciliation. Now, if this can happen between a guy like me and a guy like this in our history, imagine what God can do in your life with those that you might need to reconcile with. Kevin, could I get you to just elaborate a little bit on your saying, okay, God, put your money where your mouth is. Sure. Forgive this guy. Yeah. It sounded at the time you were relating that, that it was not a heartfelt uh, event that happened. It was like just the words. So it was a heartfelt event. It was me believing what I had been taught by the leaders of Tierra Nueva, by the pastors of Tierra Nueva. We preach forgiveness from the front so much, but to actually step in and do it is life-changing, obviously. I stepped into it that day, but I did it. You ever, uh, you know, you ever have a spouse go, hey, come on, let's go check out this restaurant. And then you're like, oh man, okay, fine, I'll go. And then you get there and you end up loving the food. That's what happened with me and God that day. I'm going to bleep that out of the recording. No, <laughs> no, but that's what happened with me and God to that, that day. I went to a place that God invited me to with a little bit of grumbling in, in, in myself. I said, all right, I'll trust you. I'm going to forgive this guy, and I'm really going to forgive this guy. And the fruit from that forgiveness has been life-changing, I think, for both of us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I grew up with a grandfather or a grandpa that was a total authoritarian cop. So him just even wearing a badge already had strike one against I already had strike one against him just because of that, that uh, what I grew up around. My grandpa was the kind of cop that hated everybody, and anytime anybody tried to argue with him, he would go in the back room and start playing with his guns to intimidate. So that's how I pictured all cops. Just like I'm sure when he arrested me, he pictured me just like all addicts. Absolutely. He's a stereotypical view. He looked, he didn't look at the person, he was looking at the crime. Just like me, I didn't look at Tom, I looked at the badge. But now he's retired and I don't have to look at him that way anymore. <laughs> no, but, you know, when God puts forgiveness and reconciliation on our heart, regardless of how difficult it might feel, we really truly need to step into that. Because the results can be life-changing. Not only for you, but for the person that you need to be reconciled with. And for a large number of people that hear about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, there's a congregation here, and I'm sure you've shared that story with people outside our church as well. This is the first time that we've ever done it together. Yeah. You know, I've, I've hinted on our story here and there, but... Um, Tom hasn't been to church in a really long time. We were just talking about this the other day. I should go on the road. 
So, and I told Tom that he would be make a very valuable member of our church community. Because he just lives in Hamilton. So I'm putting you on the spot now. I see that. I'm expecting <laughs> you see that. I'm expecting you to come back. Okay. Because 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 the joy that you bring to my life as my friend, I think it would be a, a mutual joy between you and this congregation. For work on that. Okay. Okay. All right. I want to share this. This is the lesson that I've learned from Kevin. And and you, you hit on it just a little bit that as a cop, I spend 10, 15 minutes with a person at the worst possible moments of their life. And then I move on to the next person. And I don't remember you. I don't care about you. I don't know who you are. I ended up remembering Kevin. And when I went to the parks department, all of a sudden it's not 15 minutes. It's six hours. It's eight hours a day. I got to learn Kevin's story. I got to hear about his family. I got to hear about his journey. And it really opened my eyes into especially the world of recovery because I've never seen it, never been around it, never dealt with it. And a lot of the people in my program were in various stages of recovery. And that was why one of the guys who was in my program, I worked with them, I really liked him, took a personal liking to him, and he wanted to borrow some money to buy some nice clothes for a job interview. And I was my instinct was just, I'm not going to lend you money, I'm going to give you money. And then somewhere in the back of my head, that little nagging cop thing goes, ah, man, giving money to an addict is a bad idea. So I called Kevin. And Kevin, I, I didn't know what else to do. So this went to where this is now my mentor. This is my guy to help me forge relationships with these other folks. And I go to Kevin for help. And Kevin did. And ended up giving the guy the money. And I don't remember if he got the job or whatever happened after that. Uh, I do know that the guy didn't relapse. Um, so that really changed the way I looked at people. And, and I came, became more about what can I do to help you succeed? How can you be better? And I spent 30 years in that system watching it basically just beat people down and not really give them an opportunity to succeed. So... That was fantastic. I loved that job. It was great. And then I had to get another job. And guess what? It threw me right back in his path again. Jesus. No, karma. <laughs> and we talked about that, Kevin and I. But uh, So there's, there's a reason for it. Uh, this is my brother I've never had. Um, I do anything this guy needs, wants, or asks, and I rely on his guidance. So, oh, are you still in this job? I, I now work for the county. I got a different job, and a lot of my work in the county has me up here in this area, working a lot with the homeless uh, problems and issues up here. Uh, also, again, dealing with a lot. Of, I mean, in fact, with the with the shelter, I was here for several of the meetings. Uh, and, uh, and I have some contacts and connections with the county that I've been trying to share with Kevin so I can get his face and name. And I haven't seen that guy since he was this tall. So, so that's, my, that's my new job now. But again, right in the path of Kevin. So we're still working together, seeing the same people doing the same stuff. One of the things that keeps popping into my head with you know, forgiving your enemies 
and I, what pops into my head right now is that the Trump and uh, Democrat um, people, once you forgive and do the reconciling, you have to kind of learn from it. You have to do an active, really, I really want to understand about you or, you know, what's your viewpoint? Kind of take it a little bit more internal than just, oh, well, I'm here forgiven. Yeah. Pray on front and then just ignore them for the rest of their time. You know, there's that interaction that, that's the learning that made you a better person, made Kevin a better person. Um, any of those kind of encounters, I think if you really take the time to learn from them, I don't know what reconcile means, but reconcile, there's a part, E part that means do it again. Um, now I got to Google it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's. Uh... I, I hope that I, Kevin made a dramatic difference in, in who I am as a, as a person, as a man, and how I see and treat people. Um, I, I, I think it's kind of, I, I've mentioned that, you know, being a cop's kind of a, it's like every day you see the worst of the worst of the worst, and, and, and it's hard to not have that jaundiced view of people. And so uh, in meeting Kevin and meeting Kevin and hearing his story. And, and he's not just this piece of crap that lives in a truck and uses drugs and steals to support his habit. He's, he's a hell of a nice guy. And, and turned out to be a really decent man. So, I mean, that's, that's what he has given me. And I can't imagine having lived the rest of my life. I, I look at my fellow retired cops and there's those that can't get away from the police department. That's how they define their life. That is what they are, that is what they do, and that's what they'll do forever. I haven't gone back to the police department with exception of one th uh, one little thing that had happened, but I haven't been back there. I don't hang out with any of those guys. I, we don't share the same views on life anymore, and, and I am glad that in the remainder of my life, I'm not going to have that bitter view of, of humanity. So it's pretty decent. That's because of this guy. And the only reason that I was able to bring that to you is because of Jesus. Yes, Kevin. <laughs> Sounds like a discussion you two are having. Yeah. Yes, we are. We had it. Yeah, yeah. And we'll have continue having it. it. We're going to continue having it. It was good. It was a good discussion. So I wanted to, you know, you know, last week we talked about anger and talked about sinning in our anger and how that can destroy relationships, right? The conversation that I talked about in last week's sermon, uh, I had that conversation with that individual and it actually went really well. So, but on the heels of that, I wanted to bring it out here and say, okay, you know, sure, we all make mistakes when we're angry. We all make mix mistakes in life. But what happens when we step into forgiveness and reconciliation? And how that can make relationships stronger. And also can make your relationship with God stronger. Because when you're stepping into that forgiveness and into that reconciliation, that's who you lean on the most. I didn't lean on Kevin to forgive Tom. I leaned on God. So, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for Tom's willingness to come out here, Lord. Um, thank you for our story and the way that we can illustrate reconciliation from people who wouldn't normally be reconciled, Lord. Um,
pray for the shelter and the individuals who, who are seeking it here. Um, and I pray for that continued partnership. In Jesus' name, amen.